Fuck me. Well, fuck me. Fuck me. Hello, foot nerds, and welcome to another Foot Me podcast weekend edition. This is where we are taking on the uh, FC Pro Open. We are talking about group b today i am your host tj typically navigating you through low-end uh gameplay today i'm going to be talking about high-end gameplay that us uh middlings might be able to get something out of so um as uh you know we talked about if you were uh, listened last saturday that essentially this fc pro tournament that ea has put together uh this particular year uh now that they are no longer affiliated with the uh, FIFA, uh, they have uh, put together where they you know, qualified and then created groups. And we are now in that group stage. There are four groups with five players each that are competing. They do two uh, sessions. This is the first run through, then they will play again in January. And based on those points, uh, the top two in each group will move forward and then continue a knockout tournament. So um, we talked about group A last week where Yilmaz and Umat uh, were dominated the competition uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Mark 11, who was the one invitee that did not get to, that did not play in, but rather because of his past success made it in and uh, was uh, on the bottom of the table uh, with uh, zero in. So coming into group B, there were some thoughts of, well, let's look at what happened in group A and could this be some potential things that will happen in group B. So just to kind of set the stage, uh, the five folks that were playing was uh, PH Zen, who was the one that got uh, the uh, essentially based on his performance uh, last season, automatically qualified. Um, then you had Young, um, Happy, uh, Cohen or Fal Cohen, and then uh, Banano, also known as Mateus. Those are the two uh, Argentinians that are in um, this particular group. So a number of these folks play each other uh, a decent amount outside of this and have seen each other, played each other, things like that. Now, um, if you remember last week, uh, the idea was a 5 million coin team, plus you got to add a free Thunderstruck player. And so everybody last week added, um, you know, Thunderstruck Ronaldinho. And so this week uh, they moved to the new promotion, which is the radioactive, you know, toxicity uh, promotion. And so all five of these uh, chose to use uh, radioactive Valverde um, in their midfield. So, uh, I I don't know how to feel about the idea that like okay now everybody in Group A is playing with the against that and Group B is all playing here but having Ronaldinho in your midfield versus Valverde like I get some folks who are big fans but um, I can I remember explicitly in a few of these games where you see Valverde making a pass that uh, either gets intercepted or whatever and it's just like you know that quality was uh, lacking in, in, in some of that where I think the Ronaldinho and Mbappe combination really led to some some pretty high scoring um, affairs, but 
Um, this week was a, a little bit different for a variety of reasons. First of us starting off with the draft. So a um, couple of just interesting notes. You know, we talked about this last week. Um, uh, there were some, you know, for example, uh, all five teams had uh, Virgil van Dyke and Mindy. Um, Mindy makes sense based on the Valverde bit, uh, based on Kim and having a cheap, high quality, fast left back that uh, the pros service with. A lot of them used Hakimi on the right side. I believe uh, there were um, at least uh, three of those. It was either Cancelo or Hakimi. Those were the only two uh, right backs that were chosen. The uh, Cancelo, the, uh, the the rule breakers one. Um, so anyway, uh, that made up most people's back lines. You know, Militao made an appearance here or there if it wasn't, um, you know, uh, between Van Dyke. So um, uh, that filled out most of that. Uh, four of them had, uh, four of the five teams had the uh, Gold Hansen um, in there, along with, um, I believe, uh, who else was, uh, oh, I, the Patelis also was in, I believe, a majority of uh, the teams uh, over, I think it was over three. I don't think quite made the, the up to four. Um, but uh, we also saw that uh, Allison or Schmeichel were the only two keepers that got picked. Um, and that uh, aside from Patelis, uh, Vinny and Militao also were in a majority of, of the teams. Of the five, four of them essentially had a 4,995K team, except for uh, Bonanno, who ended up with a 4K and about, you know, what, four. 150k so essentially left 50k on um the uh on the table uh, based on uh, on his draft and so forth now whether or not that has any impact on the results is up for debate now um yeah and this comes up and i i doubt it is a directive you know because uh you know that's that kind of sets the stage for who it was and the players and again i think going through these drafts the other thing that i did want to point out is that informed son made an appearance in uh, multiple teams um i believe uh three of the five um the two things that i think are interesting about that is for how long have we said informs don't matter? They aren't very good. No one really does them. There might be one or two here or there that are, are, are worth a darn. And I, I want, I think a couple of things have happened. Um, they've uh, definitely ramped up the quality of the informs. Clearly, they're also valuable for SBC purposes, but that's a different podcast. But I do think it's telling that we're seeing at least an inform show up in pro team drafts uh, is somewhat of an indicator that, you know, EA is at least responding to the idea that informs should be usable, at least some of them, and not just a unicorn version of them. Even though in this instance, I suppose it is kind of unicorny since it's the only, you know, Sun's the only inform that uh, they're playing with. Um, uh, you know, most uh, Modric also is in uh, all the midfields, uh, specifically the road to the knockout one. Again, that works for chemistry and things like that, which, um, you know, was a little higher this time, but there were definitely still some uh, some situations. Most of them revolving around your boy Mbop or Neymar uh, are the two that folks have no problem putting in to have a little less Kim. So uh, it essentially ranged from 27 to 29. No one's on 33 Kim. 
And so um, that just goes to, to speak to where they think, you know, cards over Kim um, actually comes in. So uh, that sun also will be, you know, close. Uh, granted, most of these are running at least a couple of uh, Premier League with, you know, Allison and Van Dyke or just Van Dyke and then Shemichael with uh, Icon. Um, Kim kind of helped there. But uh, 27 to 29 was uh, where most of these folks left. So. With that kind of set, we know we have uh, our players. Uh, they have, you know, their teams pretty consistent in terms of uh, what players were being used um, and uh, the formations that they're playing around with as far as, um, you know, getting it started and then getting into, into the game. Um, I guess we can also take a quick look at who was attached. Uh, for example, PH Zen was attached to the SBC that was Van de Boomen, clearly the best name out of all of the uh, players that are available. Uh, Kamara uh, was with uh, Bonanno. Um, uh, Locatelli was attached to Cohen. Um, Young was attached to uh, Thalvin and then um, or Thalvin was attached to, to Happy, uh, Willian was attached to Young. Um, so, uh, and that Willian card was already super expensive. Um, and so, whereas Van de Boomen was kind of, you know, towards the, the bottom of that, but what, you know, what they typically seem to have did, I mean, this was EA's version of being a bookie is, you know, they tried to give, I think, the higher ranking and better, uh, you know, just on face cards to long shots. And then they gave some of the lower, you know, rated cards to people that they considered to be favorites, which kind of makes sense. Um, it's an interesting idea, like who's sitting there, uh, you know, who's their insider that's providing the information based on, uh, who goes where I would that these are the kinds of positions like is it just random like some like kind of monkey pulling you know throwing dart board at you know darts to determine things clearly not because they you know definitely gave you know some of the favorites um you know some of the worst players so uh, it's just it's it, it's interesting like they clearly have their finger on the pulse of the game to a degree but then as a community we know that there are big things that we think they're missing but i think um if anything this lets us know that they're they're not missing it it's it's not a bug it's a feature so anyway um with that kind of setup, the other thing that I thought and, you know, that I like to talk about, I mentioned last week that one of the reasons that I'm fascinated by tournaments, a competition, you know, just watching them compete, um, that I was into, been in esports uh, for a while. And so, you know, we've seen a real upgrade in presentation. There's still some awkwardness, this walking them through the tunnel and, excuse me, some of those types of uh things and some of the way they're at the desk and the standing desk and how they're, you know, they're trying to utilize a number of folks and, you know, they're definitely getting more efficient at cutting uh, to people. So like, you know, studio production wise, they've come leaps and bounds in terms of coverage and being able to get to those places and technologically being able to deal with that. Also uh, navigating the uh, complex multilingual um, you know, it being such a, a world game and, and things along those lines. And so kudos to them. They also keep trying uh, and are getting more of the community involved. Uh, last week, uh, Boras, who is also, uh, you know, 
I think, work to do some of the uh, qualifiers. They brought uh, Pie Face on for this particular Monday, and uh, he was kind of the uh, guest analyst, if you will, that was able to engage in that. Um, and uh, one area that I think EA is uh, kind of pushing, but this a lot of this is all testing, right? I think all of this, whether you're talking about evolutions in game, whether you're talking about the way FC Pro works, the FC Pro ladder that's going on behind the scenes that you can see some streamers on Twitch that are trying to qualify for other FC Pro future events, things like that that are going on and the way that they're trying to engage that content. If you go to the FC Pro and, for example, coming up Group C, you can actually go and participate in a community version of the draft. And so it's interesting to a degree to compare the community drafts versus what you see the pros drafting. I'll tell you, when you hit that community tab and start going down and like during the presentation, they looked at like PyFace did a version, you know, they all do that and it's part of their content and the way they roll it together and, you know, very different teams. And one of the biggest things you see is that the importance of the bench to pros. So if you're not subbing in folks in the 70th minute, things like that, you're not replacing four to five players every single game, then you're probably doing it wrong. And so understanding the importance of a bench I think is one of the things that we can take away from uh, from this, because when you compare it to the community, you see a lot of silver, not not quite bronze benches, but, you know, they spend a lot of money on that starting 11 and not so much uh, on the bench, whereas the pros definitely put some quality players on the bench. Just um, looking through a couple of them, for example, I mean, there's Neymar on the bench on some of these. You got your Dembele's on the bench. Um, and if they don't have them as a starter, um, you've seen, uh, there's just, uh, you know, typically, you know, there's nobody that's not gold on their bench and that's like all 11, like you don't see any, none of them were, you know, just shoving some stuff, got other informs, um, that are also sitting there on the bench. I think maybe there's, uh, some. Bellingham's it's uh you know there's you know different different folks that they are either comfortable with or whatnot but they used every last dime to make sure that they had a quality bench as well as what was on the field so if you're not doing that you don't have at least five folks in there that you can you know sub in uh then you maybe want to you know think about that so um Anyway, so overall, I thought the, the presentation, um, you know, they're continuing to move forward with this. We'll see who they bring on for uh, Group C in terms of their guest commentator um, as they're set up there in London. I'm sure it makes more sense for that, but they have no problem flying people in. EA makes, you know, a billion dollars. Why not, you know, spend a little bit to, to you know, bring some of these, you know, these people in. So we'll see who they uh, tap. Uh, for next week. But all in all, presentation's been good. One, I get, it's hard to figure out another way to do this, right? So A, it's about a four-hour program. And over the course of that four hours, there's some breaks. They play some games simultaneously, right? Because they've got four and then one person, you know, sits out and they rotate that through um, until everybody plays, you know, their games. Again, the games, uh, you can have a draw. So it's not, they're not like shootouts or tournaments or things like that. They do do the nine minute halves. Um, so that does extend out the games and so forth. But what that ends up doing is they typically are going to follow who's 
playing well or doing kind of well. And so then that means you might not get to see um, as much of the other gameplay other than like some highlights of goals. There's not like full versions like there. I think for them to really be able to get the most out of this, and I, I don't know if they can do it from their perspective, but there should be a way after Group B day is over to go back and watch all of the matches from Group B. But all you can really do is go to YouTube and watch the four-hour presentation complete with all the breaks and stuff like that. They don't even edit that stuff out. So EA, if you're listening and you're like, hey, how could we improve our production? When, I know it's easy to just hit like, okay, bam, now we're just going to submit it. I mean, running it as a replay on Twitch, run it as a replay, knock it out. Um, but on YouTube, why not take out the breaks? Why not just go ahead? Like, is it that hard to go in and boom, 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 cut some of that stuff out, leave all the, you know, yuckety yuck uh, desk antics and so forth in there. That's fine. People can fast forward. Uh, and I mean, we can fast forward now through the breaks. It's just kind of, you know, I think it would be one of those. And then I like would secondarily say, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could see all the games individually? But you know, that's from a presentation standpoint. Like I said, they've come leaps and bounds. Um, the fact that they are producing and that they're doing it in a way that's not like, okay, we're going to run the same people out there. They're, you know, trying to kind of keep it fresh. Um, there's only so much you can talk about. And I will say this, a number of the games I watched last week, they talked a lot about what was going on in the game, whereas this week it was a lot more just kind of like talking while they're watching a game. So it was kind of like, you know, I don't I wouldn't say it's like the two Eli's because they talk a lot of football while they watch the game and will get distracted sometimes. But versus a play by play commentary, which, you know, I don't know which one of those uh, really prefer. Clearly, play by play can be, uh, you know, a little daunting and overwhelming. And you also notice towards the ends of these broadcasts, they begin to lose a little bit of their, you know, their their oomph. Um, and so there may be some thought behind, uh, you know, how do we try to maintain our hosts' energy levels and focus and ability to be able to do that as they kind of go through it. But of course, four hours is a long time to, you know, be on, be on camera, you know, be, be live and doing things. So, you know, like I said, I think they do a, a great job. There's a lot of, you know, moving parts to it. And I think uh, as we uh, get a little bit more into this, they're going to be able to refine this process down. But I think, you know, so far, um, you know, kudos to them and their, their presentation. They do talk about the prices of the cards um, that are attached to the particular players as the tournament's going on. Some of them, you know, pie in particular, but others have invested in players and they mention how you know, that worked out for them either last week or this week and who they got and, you know, things like that. So it's kind of, you know, our version of fantasy sports slash betting on, you know, like I said, you know, these games by, you know, the players. Of course, any of the SBC stuff, you either did it or you didn't, and there's really no way to get back at it. I think in the future, if they, and I know they had a very specific week of we're releasing these cards, but given the length of this, wouldn't it be interesting if like SBCs came out uh, for FC Pro? Could this be like a perpetual promotion? So instead of it being like, oh, it's a one week thing, here they are, and then boom. Could they do that with like impacts, but maybe release SBCs like they do matchup SBCs, things like that, that would be relevant for Group C and Group D 
Will they maybe do a re-release or some other kind of thing when we get to round two of all of this uh, in January? You know, they put a best impacts for um, uh, Black Friday. Will we see these players get back into packs? And will they only put in the players then that have folks that are doing well that have advanced? It could be like, you know, moving forward. I would imagine they may hit a grab bag, but, you know, we'll see. Um, this is all just speculation on my part. So anyway, enough talk about who's in it and what's set up, like what actually happened, right? So um, last week, uh, and not to belabor a point and certainly not to, you know, try to pile on, but we know that the one person who did not play any EFC uh, into the pro tournaments or whatever and just got moved in had a terrible week. And so the question was, will that hold? Will PHZN having a direct buy into the, the group mean that he will be rusty or not be as familiar or have some issues? And the answer to that is no. Um, PHZN plays a lot like I think we face in weekend leagues and stuff like that. You know, the first so last week, watching those games, very precise, lots of moving the ball. I talked about how they were, you know, switching the play field, you know, left back to, you know, right wing, all those kinds of things. Not as many German crosses, still pushing, still doing cutbacks, all of those types of things. Um, but the thing I didn't really talk about was like defense or high pressure tactics, things along those lines. I think there's a little bit and people may switch a little bit to 71 um, depth in these games, but it was not as as uh, evident. However, PHN definitely plays an aggressive uh, pressing high line style that uh, the other Folks have not played quite to this degree, um, and he did well with it. Um, three wins, one draw, uh, and uh, dominated the group. Uh, got his Vandaboomin, Vandaboomed, um, moved up at least that way. So if you have some kind of Dutch, you know, fetish, and you decided to do that SBC. You know, you have some fodder. Let me, let's be on fodder. I mean, at the end of the day. But, you know, he uh, is clearly taking a dominating stance in uh, this. Whereas last week, you know, Umid and Ilmaz both 3-1. This one, uh, PHN 3-1, Young and Happy 2-1-1 uh, um, with a draw and a, a loss. Puts them, you know, really clumped together. And then uh, Fakawan had a 1-1-2 one, one, and two run, and then our boy uh, Banano, and the reason I say that is like one of the two cards I packed was Kamoa, 0-0-4. Um, zero, zero and four. And so, um, and after having such a great run, it almost turns out to be the exact opposite of what happened in Group B. Uh, Mateus had a great run through um the qualifiers and actually kind of like stunned some folks and just like bam, 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 and beat really good players and just a dominating, like, you know, got in. It was not like a on the last game kind of a thing, just, you know, quality performance and was set up to the point that people are like, ooh, this Kamoa is guaranteed, right? We're going to, this is going to be good. And so a lot of folks, I think, went and, and bought it. Now, 
none of these players on the market are like big surgy type things, right? So we're talking like, you know, you could pick them up for 30 to 50 and then people are like, oh, it might get up to 60 or whatever. If it gets upgraded, stuff like that. I think I picked up like Locatelli, for example, originally for like, you know, 40 or something. I think it's maybe up to 60 now. But so, I um, mean, that's with the upgrade because, um, you know, uh, Cowan, getting the one win, one draw was enough to get to the first inform upgrade. Whereas like Fison got the first inform upgrade for Van de Boomen, any excuse to say Van de Boomen, I'm going to say it, um, got the, uh, the inform upgrade, the, um, uh, the, uh, Playstyle upgrade and the other inform upgrade. So already was, uh, you know, kind of maxing out that portion. Now clearly advancing and then winning. It's a pretty good idea. Probably advance uh, could win the tournament. There might be a really big Vanda Boomin. Might be the, the Vanda Boom. Of course, I still think it'll probably be fodder, but maybe that turns into like, you know, a number of YouTube videos where like, you know, Vanda Boomin, you know, I mean, it'd make really good titles, clearly. So, you know, good luck to those of you with some Vanda Boomin, make some content, have some days, you know, enjoy your, uh, your investment. Um, Young and Willian, I mean, that card was already expensive. It's probably a little bit more expensive, but it's, you know, like it could be a million or a billion or like, you know, I'm not going to be able to get that. And, or maybe you can. So, if so, or you already did. And, you know, cha-ching, if it's tradable, um, I would probably look into possibly selling it. Now, of course, being in second, I mean, there's the idea of like, hold on to it a little bit longer, but we, you know, we're going to start having like, you know, team of the year and whatever else, probably winter wild cards or, you know, something like that, um, that, that will be coming. So whether these cards continue to be like, you know, Ooh, that could be some next level stuff. I'm not sure. So if I was, I, I would, I would cut and run, but that's me. I'm no trader. I'm actually really bad at it. So maybe do the opposite of what I just said. Um, so uh, PH Zen, like I said, dominates the performances with um, his ability, I think, to uh, high pressure, high line, take advantage of that and then was able to like finish, um, you know, very efficiently and effectively. Lots of Mbappe goals. This entire group B was just like Mbappe goals for days. Like I said, last week was a little bit of a mix because of the Ronaldinho stuff along those lines. Did some other people score? Sure. But most of them in Bop. Now, uh, Sun did make an appearance in a number also as a vulture um, of Mbop shots that, you know, were rebounds and ricochets. And so I thought that, you know, was a, a happened, you know, quite a bit um, in terms of that. I do think it's interesting if you remember early on, I said the, the person who had you know, left 50K on the table was Mateus. Now it's hard for me to say like, oh, that 50K, you know, made a difference. But, you know, these are games, and, and I, for those of you that play, you know that so many games are decided. I mean, there are those that are like, they get away from you. There are those where you get a little bit behind and then when you try to push forward, they get away from you. And those are the most likely to happen at the pro bit, right? No one just goes in there and then just gets dominated like, oh, shucks. Like typically it's like, you know, they maybe make a mistake. They give up a couple of goals then they're chasing the game. And then that opens up more areas and people take advantage. And because of goal differential, you continue to score a bunch. And so, uh, unfortunately, Mateus got scored on a bunch, especially by PH Zinn. Um, 
young and happy both had a very great i thought their strengths were in their you know ability to to move forward um, and take advantage of those opportunities um you know there were you know it's interesting. Like I said, I'm trying for those of you that listen to my like therapy version of the show. Um, you know that I'm trying to integrate things like stepovers, but really all I end up doing is, you know, giving the ball away. It's like, you know, I'm going to do a skill move, which more or less means take the ball from me. Um, and then you watch these uh, folks do it and you're like, man, you know, I just I need to integrate this stuff. You know, uh, even if it's just little things in spots and a lot of that isn't so much like, hey, you know, trying to make hands do things um, like, you know, go, go, go. But at the other end, it's knowing like when to do it, the timing of it, you know, and it being just second nature. If I'm having to think, OK, I'm going to do this, you know, step over, I need to go forward into the right or forward into the left and don't go left and forward because, you know, I'm somewhat thumb dyslexic where instead of going forward and to the right, I'll go right and then forward and that's not going to do you any good. And so um, then you get those weird animations and you end up in more trouble, you know, than it's worth. You know, the other thing you'll notice is these folks, just like I said last week, they they take the ball, they go forward, but not always, you know, or so they're they're just they're decisive. Um, and oftentimes that may be incisive and you will see they give up. I mean, they will make some passes that are like, you know, you know, just intercept or they're like going for some things. And some of that are you're basing it on, you know, there's odds that this player is going to get free, stuff like that, especially with over the top balls, which you don't see them play very much. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um the inconsistency of whether or not that player that's on the run is going to get like held up by the defender, especially if folks that are really good and they're pros. So they're pretty good. Um, will change over and then just kind of bump into the one going for the run. And so you're able to delay that. So if you time it, that bump means, okay, easy for the defender because they boxed them out. Um, and if you wait for it and they do get by, by the time you're able to do it, especially with even a moderately high line, they're going to do the offside press and it's going to be offsides. And so um, mine is having like a clear run. And man, I don't know. I, and Martin, my, I think I there may be something with my pitch that's just a little bit more rubbery. But, you know, when you put a ball in the air, unless you're giving it to somebody that just has ultimate awesome ball control, it just seems to kind of like bounce around enough that people can close down on it. And I think that's why we see these Hansons and Putelises of the world and stuff like that for pros, because that eliminates, you know, those things. There may be limitations to pace or other, but they know that when the ball comes to them, it's going to stick to their foot. And then they know that they can do things with that. And so you're getting rid of some of that element of just randomness by like getting those types of players. It's one of the reasons why like I'm playing with Messi up top just because, you know, when he gets the ball, it's going to stick to him. And I know those particular things, definitely some downsides to a low, low, old as dirt kind of, you know, striker. Uh, no offense, because I think he's probably younger than me, but um, the idea 
that uh, what they see in terms of pros, what they put a priority on in terms of players, I think um, is something that we could take a little bit away from. But at the same time, if you're playing in lower divisions, you can also just take advantage of people because you're like my player fast and I know how to ball roll and do a couple like, you know, uh, send a couple folks on runs. Maybe you got a couple of whether or not necessarily the kickoff uh, mechanics or other mechanics that you know, like, oh, I can take advantage of that, or this is a pattern that I do repeatedly that will, uh, you know, get you to a, a certain point and that you can abuse certain players with that, you know, clearly as you move up, that becomes, you know, less of an option and less viable. And so uh, this kind of stuff, and I think watching pros play and watching the way that they kind of go about uh, their business, it also, I think, gives us some relief Leaf being like, oh, that happens to them too. Um, in as far as uh, whether it's it's passing issues or rebounds or things like that. Now, granted, the patch is going to fix everything, but um, in a world where it doesn't, or you know, it's even if it does, we're all still going to face some versions of frustration that come from playing. You know hundreds of matches of this stuff and so watching these fools that have you know spent that much time playing it that have other folks that like look at what they're doing and go through it you know most of these coaches that are sitting behind these dudes would wipe the floor with most of us right like these you know it's like we're talking like next level folks that then have next level folks working with them on next level things. Like that's all this is. And a lot of that comes down to, um, you know, composure. And that is the last thing that I wanted to kind of, you know, close up with uh, today. We talked about the actual structure and what they did and how they went, you know, and again, I would urge you if you didn't get a chance to watch it, even, you know, I know, most people are like watching it for the packs or the XP or whatever, so be it. But if you, uh, you know, go back, uh, you can go on YouTube, look up FC Pro Group Day B, and, you know, there it is, and it's all of its four-hour glory. And you can see some of these things uh, and, you know, take away, you know, whatever you see. Maybe you have some of these players. How do they utilize them in different ways? I, to be honest, I've been playing – I just packed – uh, untradeable uh, Van Dyke. I've been using his loaner at times and he does not, I mean, for me, I don't consider him like, you know, ooh, auto defender, but they know something I don't. I'm going to continue to, you know, try to engage and get used to it. And a lot of times this is like, are you familiar with the player? One of the reasons why I like my Joe Cole is that I'm used to Joe Cole from other years past. He plays very similar. He has that kind of a feel. I like that. You know, some of you are really good with Holland. I can't do anything with him. That's just a feel for that type of player and that item. And so, uh, you know, being able to watch what a pro does with your item is like, oh, hadn't thought of that. Or, ooh, they're good at that. Or, ooh, that's a neat thing worth going back and looking at. But um, the thing that I wanted to finish up with, and this goes back to my interest in competition, I watching these kids and most of them are younger right you know they have to be a certain age to be able to do this but these are you know young folks that are you know facing high-end pressure i think it's a little different when it's not in front of a studio but when you've got those little white ball cameras facing you and your opponent's right there and you got all the, the lights and people in the studio things like that I, I do think it's there i think in an arena 
it would change things a bit. I think having an audience and having that presence there, even though you know folks are watching you online, a lot of these folks stream and uh, it can be easy enough to disengage, especially when you don't have to talk or do anything with the audience. You're just doing your thing. You got your headset in to kind of block things out. You're talking to your coach a little bit. Um, even though I will say when I play, a lot of times I play with the sound off or just the ambient sound. So I kind of curious, like, what are they listening to? Like, do pros leave the commentary on? Are they all like, oh, you screwed that up? I mean, I wonder, I can't imagine they would. It seems like they would just go ambient, whatever. That's, you know, maybe they're listening to the podcast for all I know. Like, you know, there's Mateus, you know, giving up a bunch of goals because he's listening to the me podcast. It's like focus. Um, anyway, uh, The reason that I bring that up is that uh, I think one of the truisms, I don't know, for those of you that are not uh, in the United States, of course, uh, in, you may have still have heard of March Madness whenever uh, that's the, the college basketball tournament that takes place in, wait for it, March. Um, and uh, one thing that uh, I've always found to be true, not that I'm a, a big wagerer, but uh Betting on college basketball could be one of the stupidest things you could ever do. And the reason that I say that is most of the kids, and they are kids, that are playing are like, you know, 18, 19, 20, um, in that kind of range. And like, you don't know what happened the night before. Did the girlfriend text? Did the girlfriend break up? Or the girlfriends find out that there are two girlfriends, right? You know, all of that. Did somebody were mean to you on Instagram? Like any number of these things can totally derail and get you in a bad mindset. And these folks are, do not have the experience and that to, to deal with those types of situations. They may not have the coping. Now, most of these folks that we're talking about FC Pro with coaching and things like that, that is a chunk of what they do. There's some X's and O's, but a lot of it is like mindset, breathing, taking, you know, all this other kind of stuff to make sure uh, positive thoughts and not getting too into like, that is a large swath of what those folks do. They're as much, you know, life coaches and personal coaches and things like that as they are X's and O's when it comes down to it. Because once that controller and it's going, there's not a lot of like go left, go right. It's, it's all like, what, how are you prepared going into that? And so um, I think watching these folks compete at this level, it's, it bears in mind, uh, you know, really go, that was terrible. None of them are terrible. They're all like, you know, high level pros and their frustration that they have at that level. And a lot of you are like, man, I'd love to be like, oh, for it, like an FC pro event. I'm like, I doubt you would doubt you would like to be, oh, anything, anywhere you do anything. And so um, being like, you know, the worst pro is not necessarily as great of a feeling as, as you might think being like, you know, a Div 5 player. So it's still um, something to keep in mind that whenever we see these folks perform and how they perform and can they perform consistently, um, you know, tournament after tournament after tournament, those types of things. And a lot of times that means kind of being a machine. The downside to that is, you know, machines don't typically have just a bunch of personality. And definitely when you're trying to grow a sport, having uh, players that have personality good, bad, or otherwise, i.e. look at professional wrestling, um, 
it's important. And so, you know, we have a fine line, you know, you want to, you got your techs of the world. They're like, Oh, you know, these folks that are like top tier that people kind of think of, maybe they have some YouTube, maybe they've kind of done some things, but you know, I would just, uh, as much as we're looking and watching and enjoying this, and maybe we get frustrated because the player that has the card that we want is not playing well and stuff along those lines. Um, just uh, if nothing else, just be mindful. And if nothing, I'd say take away that, you know, as bad as it's going for you, understand there are pros that are in the same situation that are, you know, oh four going and stuff. Like I failed to qualify for weekend league three and seven or whatever uh, in, in terms of that. And I'm, you know, quite disappointed. And I know that there are folks that, uh, you know, were like, and I wish I could get three wins in, in that. And then there are folks that are, you know, way above that. And so just keeping in mind, uh, using empathy to kind of drive content means that, you know, if you're watching these, you know, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll tweet out something about how somebody sucks. I would just, you know, add, reflect on that and think about like, you know, that person, same thing with like whoever you're texting after that game, you know, whoever you're going to, I am about how terrible they are or credit card FC or whatever it is to get rid of that frustration that you have. That you're like, I'm going to send it out into the world. Like um, just bear in mind that we don't really, you know, we're all in this together to a degree and that whenever we're watching um, these types of folks perform that we are watching, you know, kids, you know, whether you're watching this esport or any other esport, and you know, even in the NBA, a lot of these, you know, after your freshman year, bam, you're on the court, you're a professional, you're getting paid, you get to take it. No, just like if you're a streamer, doesn't mean people can come into your stream and call you names and be like, no, there's, you don't, yeah. First Amendment, I say what I want. Like, yeah, good for you. Um, but that doesn't, you know, First Amendment doesn't preclude you from being an a-hole, but hopefully you can preclude you from being an a-hole. So if nothing else, um, uh, my parting, you know, kind of advice here is like, don't, don't be an a-hole. Anyway, hopefully uh, you found that to be engaging. We'll be back here next Saturday, of course, for Group C, um, which we have a, a whole new group of folks coming into and then followed up by uh, Group D. So it'll be interesting to, uh, you know, keep comparing. I thought, like I said, that uh, Group A and Group B were um, so different that uh, it was interesting uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing like, you know, is group three going to be more? Is it going to be, you know, less? What are we, uh, what are we looking at? So again, uh, if you didn't catch it, you can always go back and check it out on YouTube. Uh, and if you enjoyed this, I guess if you can smash a like or whatever button, that would be handy. Um, and I did uh, want to mention that I do have an affiliate. Um, it's pretty, you know, kind of basic. I like to mod my controllers. And so, um, and by that, I mean, you know, kind of changing the faceplate up. A lot of times I have to because the RB button breaks. And so um, extremerated.com uh, is a company. They're out of China uh, that uh, has uh, different kind of mod abilities. I've got a few different pieces coming. I will definitely like post and let y'all know um, how it goes. At this point, if you add foot me at uh, checkout, I think get like a 10% discount. So if you want to roll the dice on that or just kind of save it in your favorites and I'll let you you know, here in a, a week or two, um, you know, if it's worth, but I, I think, you know, pricing wise, uh, 
the way that they've been able to, you know, the tracking, everything has gone really smoothly so far. So I anticipate, you know, nothing but uh, nothing but bonuses. But if it is an L, I will let you know and we will discontinue that. But if you want to support the pod, um, that would be great. I'm, you know, saving my penny so I can, you know, buy a better microphone so it won't sound like this when I talk to you. So if that's something that you think, hey, um, I might be worth not having to listen to this quality of audio. That would be great. And if not, no big deal. Uh, I will figure something out. But uh, again, I appreciate you sticking around. And, you know, if you don't want to support me financially, well, foot me. Foot me.